Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on May 26th, 2020. Good morning, everyone. This is Shannon, and I am here today with, as usual, your guide to the week's new releases. But first, I have a wonderful interview with author Laura Hankin. So you will hear about her book entitled Happy and You Know It. And she was a lot of fun to talk to. I really enjoyed spending a little bit of time with her. So I hope you will enjoy it as well. But before we get into the interview, I have the usual housekeeping information for you. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And now let's move right into the interview with Laura Hankin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and I am joined today by author Laura Hankin, whose novel, Happy and You Know It, releases today at the time of recording, which is May 19th. Laura, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you so much for having me. So let's start out by talking a little bit about Happy and You Know It. Can you give listeners a bit of an introduction to the novel? Absolutely. Uh, So Happy and You Know It is about Claire, a musician who's kicked out of her band right before they like skyrocket to fame. Um, And so broke and desperate, she takes a job singing to a playgroup of wealthy women and their babies on the Upper East Side in New York. Uh, and she's expecting to hate it. Um, you know, she thinks that these women are going to be these like, perfect stay-at-home moms who sit around drinking wine and judging one another's parenting styles. But she ends up finding herself unexpectedly smitten with them while they, in turn, are drawn to her and how she represents the freedom that they used to have. Um, and so as they all become more and more intertwined, their perfect lives seem to unravel. So I have to ask you if hiring musicians for playgroups is a thing that people really do. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was a playgroup musician for hire. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, that's where this book came from. I spent many years going around to like the beautiful apartments of New York City and singing Wheels on the Bus and staring at those moms and being like, what are what's your life like? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I I never knew that. I I read it and I was like, hmm, I wonder if this is something that you just sort of, you know, made up like for a novel or 
do people really do this? Wow. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think, you know, a lot of new parents are looking for any sort of break in the routine and any sort of way to be social, <laughs> um, and have somebody else distract their babies for a little while. Uh, well also I think hoping that the music will help with their baby's development and help them get a head start, especially in a world of like elite New York parenting. Everybody's always looking for a head start. Yes. Yes. I can see that. So then this novel is at least based in part on sort of experiences that you have had um, doing this kind of work. When you were creating your characters, did you have to be kind of careful that sort of people that you knew in real life didn't bleed through into the story you were telling? <laughs> um, well, you know, there are definitely certain aspects that maybe I've pulled from people that I've encountered, but most of them uh, came more from me finding bits of myself that I could really relate to, I think. You know, obviously the playgroup musician character has a lot in common with me, even though she, I think, handles the world in a very different way than I do. And most of this book is entirely fiction. Uh, mm -hmm. But then some of the moms, I mean, like Whitney, for example, she is the alpha mom of this group. Um, she really wants to present her life as being very perfect. And I think I totally have these like perfectionist tendencies and I want to be really nice all the time. Um, yeah, so it was finding things from inside of myself more so than being like, oh, remember that playgroup mom who did this thing? I'm going to steal <laughs> her life. <laughs> well, I've talked to people who, you know, are teachers, for example, and they've said that if they write a book that takes place largely in the classroom, that they have found like, oh, you know, this particular incident like sparked something that they then moved into the novel in a, a fictional way. So yeah. it would make sense you know, that some of that would happen. I think as a writer, some of, of one's life sort of would almost have to make its way onto the page, even in a subconscious kind of way, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, like the inciting incident in my own life, I think, that really set me on writing this book was that I got hired to do a playgroup for lonely new moms so that they could you know, make other new mom friends. And I showed up and this one lonely new mom showed up with her baby and we waited for all of her new mom friends to arrive. Oh no. And then, yeah. We like just kept waiting and nobody else came. Um, and so eventually we started talking to each other and I realized how cool she was and how much I wanted <laughs> to be her friend. <laughs> I was like, please be friends with me. <laughs> um, but we never saw each other again, you know, because we lived in very different worlds and were in totally different places in our lives. But that's what made me start thinking about this idea of like, what if a playgroup musician got too close um, right. to her employers? So when you sat down to write this, did you kind of know how things were going to turn out for these women or did they surprise you as you wrote their stories? They definitely surprised me. Uh, I had a general idea of some of the twists and turns, but actually when I started writing this book, um, it was much more a story of Claire, the musician, and then this other mom named Kitty uh, <laughs> who oh. had just moved up from like, South Carolina, and it it was the two of them like against this playgroup of Stepford moms, basically. Um, 
And then I started writing some of the backstories of these other moms in the playgroup and realized they were actually so much more interesting than Kitty, this random mom <laughs> who didn't have a lot going for her. Um, so I ended up deleting her and then bumping up the other characters and it became much more of a shared perspective book or alternating perspectives book between Claire and a few of these moms. Well, and that's a thing that I have come to really enjoy in a lot of fiction that's being written today is this kind of multiple point of view style of writing where you don't just see things from one character's perspective. Yeah. And I think it's so important in this book because these moms are so much about presenting like the perfect image um, that if you couldn't get inside their head, it would be really tough to relate to them and like them. But then when once you do get inside their heads and you realize all the insecurities and the vulnerabilities, you can maybe grow to love them in spite of yourself, even as you're like, why are you making these decisions? Right. Like, why do you do these things? And then you're like, oh, but, you know, because I know this particular thing about you, this helps me understand, like, maybe what made you act in this way. Yeah, exactly. So was this your first book? Um, no, when I was like 24, I wrote a novel that was very much my like learning how to write a novel novel. Um, and I was lucky in that it got published. It was very small paperback printing um, that, you know, did not sell a lot of copies. Uh, but I think after that experience, I was like, okay, well, I spent that book learning how to write interesting characters. Maybe now I should learn how to write interesting plots. <laughs> um, and so happy and you know it in a lot of ways feels like my first real book. And it's, it's my first hardcover and certainly nothing like any of this ever happened with the previous book. So we sort of forget about it. And, you know, it's okay. It's like nobody goes back and rereads it. <laughs> so this was, you know, when I first picked it up, I couldn't tell if I was jumping into something that was going to be like women's fiction or a thriller. I figure it could have gone like either way. And as I started reading, it definitely had that women's fiction vibe where you're actually learning about these women and their personal journeys. Is that kind of where you intended this book to sit or did you kind of have other ideas about how it would be categorized? Mm, um, I, I had a feeling it would be categorized as women's fiction because it was about women <laughs> um, and it's not like scary. Um, but I, I did want it to be an interesting amalgamation of a bunch of different styles. Like, yes, I wanted to be able to spend time digging into the stories and lives and thoughts of these characters. But then I did also want to have some really fun twists and turns that might be pulled a little bit from a thriller. Um, and then I wanted also to have a lot of comedy so that maybe you could also call it a satire. And I think it it fits really nicely into all of those genres. Like it it touches so many of them. And so you wouldn't read this and say, oh, okay, this is strictly a women's fiction novel or strictly, you know, a romance or strictly like anything. It straddles all those lines so nicely. Thank you. Yeah, I just really wanted to create a fun reading experience and write the sort of thing that I like to read, you know. Well, and I think especially given like the current time, people are looking for things that are perhaps, you know, unlike their everyday experiences. And 
it's like if you can be transported out of your sort of your quarantined life into this sort of rich you know, New York um, existence, I think that is a really great thing for a lot of people right now. Yeah, I think so too. I've been getting some really lovely messages from readers already um, being like, you know, thank you. I felt like I was just like watching a really good, fun, soapy show. um, And it was a great distraction. And that's what I hope to do and provide. So when you were kind of planning, you know, how your book release was going to go, I'm guessing you did not bargain for COVID-19. <laughs> what has this sort of current state of affairs done to kind of how your book is releasing into the world? Um, yeah, so I was definitely like supposed to go on a book tour, really excited to have this huge launch event at, you know, a bookstore that I've loved forever. Um, writing a book is such a solitary activity that the the tour and the launch parties, it's like the you know, people say it's the victory lap, right? Where you finally get to be like, yes, here's my community and here's my time to be social. I love it. Um, so definitely when I found out that all that stuff was getting canceled, I felt sad, even though I knew it was small potatoes compared to everything else that was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say that really people seem to still be reading it and in some ways it's providing like more comfort and entertainment than maybe it would have otherwise. Um, so I guess I'm holding on to that silver lining. And the, honestly, the fact that it was selected for book of the month club has helped so much because those people are used to getting a book in the mail. Um, and so I knew that it was automatically going to be shipped to however many people through that. That's amazing that you were able to, um, you know, to know that and to have a sense of like, there was going to be an audience kind of ready and waiting for you. I love that. Yeah, it was really a comfort. (laughs) So I listened to the um, advanced audio copy in preparation for your interview. And I was really, really impressed by your narration. You know, some people like, can write really well, but then they don't, they don't read their work as well. But I loved the way you were able to bring it to life in a way that felt really authentic without being like overly dramatic, where I felt like I was you know, listening to a very bad play. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I actually originally was an actor like that's what I moved to New York for um and so I'd always dreamed that I'd be able to read my own audiobooks um and they they like made me audition which you know they probably should have because uh it's it's like a lot of work to read an audiobook but I'm so so glad that I was able to read mine and it's, it's so fun because I have heard those voices uh in my head for a long time. And so to get to actually act it all out was a great experience. So how did you find the actual um, like process of recording? Did you have to kind of step <laughs> away from it, like from viewing it as your own book? Um, or did that, did your kind of inside knowledge of these characters help you as you voiced them? I think the inside knowledge really helped me. Um, it was a very strange 
process because we were scheduled to record it in mid-April in New York City in like the, you know, Penguin Random oh. House studios. Yeah. And I was supposed to have a really hands-on director there and lots and lots of time to find my footing um, because it was my first audiobook ever. And instead, uh, you know, the city shut down. <laughs> um, but I was actually already in Washington, D.C., quarantining here with my boyfriend. And some studios were still open here because the city hadn't shut down here yet. Um, and so they were like, the producers basically were like, okay, go to this studio tomorrow morning, <laughs> you know, three weeks earlier than you were supposed to do this and just like read until you can't read anymore. <laughs> um, and so, and, and a director like called in via Skype who hadn't had a chance to read the book yet, but everybody just like flew by the seat of their pants and made it work. And I think because of that, it was especially helpful that I knew these characters inside and out. Well, and you certainly can't tell from the production, you know, that there was um, like some difficulty, you know, where you were kind of really early and in a whole different setup than what you were expecting. I think it came out so well. Thank you. I actually haven't had a chance to listen to it yet. So uh, I'll I was take going to ask you <laughs> if you uh, thought that you would listen to it or would you just like listen to a sample and then be done. I don't know. I think I'm going to start. And if I hate the sound of my own voice, I'll stop. So for um, a little while, I was an opera singer in New York City. And people would always ask me, so do you, you know, do you listen to your performances? Like, do you just sit around in your house and listen to yourself? I'm like, no. <laughs> like, no, that, that's a, a horrifying thought. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, it's funny because you always sound so different than you think you do, right? Yes. And so I was just picturing somebody like, oh, here's this audiobook that I narrated. I'll, I'll listen to it now. That'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I'm also curious. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> well, it did come out really, really well. Thank you. So what is next for you? So I am working on a new book with the same editor and the same publishing company. Uh, we're in revisions for it now. Oh, and excellent. Yeah. I mean, have I done any revisions in the last week? No. No. <laughs> been thinking about this. Um, <laughs> but it's about an undercover reporter who, in yeah, <laughs> who infiltrates this top secret women's only social club for the New York millennial elite. Oh, I want this. <laughs> well, I want this like right next now. Year. <laughs> ah, next year. I am not a, a patient reader. You know, I have so much admiration for the people who sit down and, and write these books. And then like I can read a book in a night if I just am like hanging out with cats and I can just like zoom right through this. I'm like, okay, now it's done. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, Another what? one, please. <laughs> so are you much of a reader, like either while you're writing or kind of in between your own work? Oh, yeah. Reading's the best thing in the world. <laughs> it certainly is. I love Have it. Have you read anything lately that you think listeners should know about? Yeah, I recently read Beach Read um, by Emily Henry, which also comes out the same day yeah, as Happy New Know It. Yeah, uh, and I just thought it was like such a delightful distraction. It's this very witty, warm love story about um, 
you know, a romance writer and a very serious literary writer who both have writer's block and they decide to switch genres um, and of course end up falling in love. <laughs> and I just I loved it. Great things about that. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, it looks really, really fun. So as you are kind of easing into this whole like release thing, are you planning to do any virtual events since you can't go on an in-person book tour? Yeah, today is actually like booked solid. Oh my goodness. Um, Which is cool. Uh, Yeah, I've actually been, it's 11.21 now. I've been up since 8 a or been doing calls since 8 a.m um and I've gotten to talk to so many cool people which is great and then later this afternoon I'm going to be doing a couple of Instagram lives on various places and then tonight I'm doing a launch event virtually through my neighborhood bookstore um which should be really nice (laughs) excellent I think it's such a blessing for so many people the way in which technology has enabled us to still do so much of of our work, um, even though we're not going out into the world. Thank goodness. Yes. Yeah. People ask me all the time, like, are you still able to podcast? Are you still, you know, talking to authors or has like the whole publishing thing kind of stopped? And I said, oh, no, like publishing is is alive and well, a little different than, Mm -hmm. you know, we would normally um have it but it's it's doing really well and I think there's so much good that comes out of technology and our ability to connect with one another through through books yeah it's been really incredible to see the way that people have been adapting and like booksellers too you know yes yes (laughs) booksellers and librarians like I Mm -hmm. see so many people you know talking about like how sad it is that their libraries are closed and yet librarians are still you know working from home and trying really hard to get books kind of into the hands of people even if it's it's virtually instead of physically yeah and like that's what we all need right now is to curl up with a good book (laughs) it's true it's true well I want to thank you so very much and before I let you go can you let readers know where they can find you online yeah, so I have a website, laurahankin.com, um, and then I'm pretty active on Instagram and Twitter, both at Laura Hankin. So I hope to see you there. And you know, I love hearing from readers, so people should feel free to reach out. Excellent. I love that. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck to you on your release day, which will have been passed, will have passed by the time people <laughs> actually hear this, but. I hope you have a fantastic release day. This was a real joy to read, and I can't wait to see what you have coming next for us. Thank you so much, Shannon. It was great to talk. (laughs) Take care. All right. Bye. Okay. So let's talk about new books. Today is a really great release day. I'm very, very excited. Um... We have quite a few things, so I'll just go through them kind of quickly, but I hope that you will find some really awesome things to add to your TBR piles. Um, The first few are books that you've heard us mention before on our Most Anticipated Books of May episode. So there is a new Kennedy Ryan book out. It's called Queen Move, 
and Stacy talked about that um, on the Most Anticipated Books of May episode. Mika is very excited about the Seaside Cafe, which is Book Club Book One by Rochelle Ehlers and Hideaway by Nora Roberts, which I have read an early copy of and it is so fantastic. I'm very excited for all of you to get a chance to read it. So those are the three previously discussed books. So now let's talk about new, new books. As always, this is not meant to be a comprehensive list of everything that's coming out. Um, There'd be no good way to do that. So these are books that either caught my attention or that I know members of my team are looking forward to reading, and also just things that I thought would generally appeal to the listenership of the podcast. So if you are looking forward to something and you don't hear it on this podcast, definitely let me know. It will help me curate the list to kind of better reflect what people want if I know what you're looking for. So Maddie Dawson is releasing the sequel to her book, Matchmaking for Beginners, and this is called A Happy Catastrophe. This picks up pretty much right where matchmaking left off. So you'll definitely want to go back and read Matchmaking for Beginners before you pick this one up. But it is A Happy Catastrophe, and it's by Maddie Dawson. Next up is East Coast Girls. This is by Carrie Clitter, and it's perfect if you love authors like Ellen Hildebrand or J. Courtney Sullivan. So basically, it is about a group of four girls who have grown up together, and they have had a lot of great times. They have great memories, but there's one memory that lingers with them and they would really like it to go away. So apparently it's something very bad. So this again is East Coast Girls and it's by Carrie Kletter. Next up, we have Last Girl Standing. And this is a standalone novel by Lisa Jackson and Nancy Bush, who are sisters. And it is kind of similar to East Coast Girls in that it's about a group of friends who are forced to reckon with something that happens in their past. So again, it's Last Girl Standing by Lisa Jackson and Nancy Bush. We also have some young adult fantasy. This is The Archer at Dawn. The Tiger at Midnight, book two, by Swati Tirhala, and this is the sequel to last year's The Tiger at Midnight, and it is an Indian-inspired YA fantasy. So again, it is The Archer at Dawn, Tiger at Midnight, book two, by Swati Tirhala. And a little bit of romantic suspense here, we have... Until the End, this is Final Hour, book three, by Juno Rushton, and I have the first book in this series sitting on my iPad. Um, The first book is about a virus that apparently gets loose from a lab, Um, and so I'm not sure if the whole series kind of continues that trend or if we move on to other things, but I am excited, and I've heard really good things about this author, so I definitely want to check her out really soon. This is Until the End 
Final Hour, Book 3, by Juno Rushton. If you like lesbian romances, I have something for you today. This is Something to Talk About by Meryl Wilsner, and it is about a TV celebrity and her assistant who sort of accidentally get a rumor started that they are a couple. And then as they are kind of like playing up to this rumor, they realize that maybe they do have feelings for each other after all. So this is something to talk about, and it is by Meryl Wilsner. If historical romance is your thing, then you might want to check out this next book. It is Marion Scarlet. This is the fourth book in the Marriage of Convenience series by Anne Gracie, and I've heard nothing but good things about this author. This is not someone that I have personally read, although I own a bunch of her books and would like to check her out sooner rather than later. Um, she has the Marriage of Convenience series, also kind of a seasonal bride series, but this one is Marion Scarlet, Marriage of Convenience, book four by Anne Gracie. Jeff Kennedy is releasing the second book in her Forgotten Empire series, and this is The Fiery Crown. And Kennedy is a really interesting author because she writes contemporary romance as well as paranormal romance, and both things, like both subgenres, are done so, so well. She is an author that so many people talk about when they're looking to like help people who aren't normally romance readers get into the genre, they will often recommend a Jeff Kennedy book. So this one is Fiery Crown, The Forgotten Empire, book two, and this is by Jeff Kennedy. I'm really, really excited about this next book. This is Recipe for Persuasion, The Rajas, book two, by Sonali Dev. And last year, the first book in this series came out, and it was so, so fantastic. A really excellent slow burn romance set um, in the restaurant industry. It was just really amazing. Um, a chef and a food critic. So I'm really excited to see how this series is going to progress. And finally, book two is here. It is Recipe for Persuasion. The Rajas, book two, by Sonali Dev. So if you are a Kristen Ashley fan, you will probably want to check out her new book. This is Dream Maker, and it's Dream Team, book one. So to be very, very honest, I have never read a Kristen Ashley book, and I don't know that I will. Um, she tends to write really strong alpha male characters, and I have a really low tolerance for those. But I know that romance readers everywhere are really big fans of her writing. So it feels like I would be remiss if I didn't mention that she has a new book out. So this, again, is Dream Maker, Dream Team, book one by Kristen Ashley. And it looks like it's going to be a romantic suspense. So now let's talk about some YA. This is Camp, and it's by L.C. Rosen, and it explores toxic masculinity in the queer community in kind of a satirical way 
that should appeal to the teenage reader. Um, I have not read any of Rosen's previous books, but I've heard so many good things about the writing. So I definitely want to check this out because it's set in a camp and I really, really love books that center around camps. So this again is Camp and it's by Elsie Rosen. I have two more. These are World War II books. Um, the first one, which is The Paper Girl of Paris by Jordan Taylor, is a young adult novel. It is a dual timeline about a teenage girl who is left an apartment in her grandmother's will. And it's an apartment that has been locked up for the past 70 years. And so she goes to Paris to kind of figure out why her grandmother had this apartment and discovers that her grandmother had a whole other life that she left behind during World War II. So this is The Paper Girl of Paris, and it's by Jordan Taylor. And last up is The Prisoner's Wife by Maggie Brooks. This is also, as I said, a World War II novel about a woman who somehow enters a concentration camp in hopes of being reunited with her husband. Um, I'm not sure of all the particulars of this, but it looks super intense and so, so good. I definitely plan to read it. It is The Prisoner's Wife, and it is by Maggie Brooks. So there are a lot of other great books out today. So whatever you end up reading, I hope you love it so incredibly much. That's all I have for you, though. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.